0: Last time we tried to speak to you all, I guess, was third weekend. And we opened up a subject that we would like to try to continue the Lord be our helper. It's in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and it has to do with putting on the whole armor of God. Um, what we tried to speak on last time was the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th verses. Uh, so let me read those to you, comment briefly, and then we'll go into the 14th, the first part of the 14th. And we do pray that Brother Philip's prayer and your prayers are answered and that the Lord will be with us in our efforts this morning. So 6th chapter of Ephesians, the 10th verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we mentioned last time what that does is take away any excuse of us being weak. The Lord knows we're weak, and we know that we're weak ourselves. But that's not how we come to this. We come in the power of his mind. He's not weak, and he gives us the strength and the ability to do those things that he has told us to do. It would make no sense for him to tell us to do something and then not give us the ability to do it. That's not our Lord, and that's not how the Lord would move the Apostle Paul to write. So the excuse of being weak is just cast out. Because we're to come in the power of his mind. Eleventh, put on the whole armor. So it's not a partial thing. It's not a pick or choose. It's the whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We spent some time uh, about what the wiles of the devil might be. Uh, I think it's important to know our enemy. And the enemy is not each other. The enemy is the devil. And as we told you last time, it's always the right time to hate the devil. He's never a friend. He might appear a friend, but he's never a friend. So he's powerful, but he's uh, God's given us the ability. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God's given us the ability to withstand him. So here's what we wrestle against, which is the next four things. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means it's not like any other battle you're going to have with Man or uh, people this is a different battle. it's with the devil. for well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. One thing that we noted there is uh, one of the, uh, that the devil desires to mimic God. he can't do it, but he desires to do it. And one of the things that the devil cannot mimic, he cannot be at all places at the same time. He is limited as to where he can go. So what he does in place of that is he delegates powers. He delegates people uh, called the ministers of the devil and so forth and so on he, 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 to, to carry out these works. Uh, he does it through get delegation, as it were. As we've said many times, if man can build it, Satan can run it. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't build the church? I mean, that Satan didn't build the church. Lord built the church. Uh, so we need to be aware of that. Uh, Wherefore, take unto, you, uh, take unto you the whole armor. Take, not make. Okay, We don't make this armor. We take the armor. The armor is per- furnished. We just need to take it. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Now we're to our verse. This time, just want to—we're getting into the particular points of that that we're to put on parts of the armor. The first one he mentions is truth. He says, fourteenth verse, three and fourteen, or six and fourteen of Ephesians. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Your loins girt about with truth. The word girt means to surround yourself about it, have it surround you. And it starts with the loins. That's the most powerful muscles we have. Uh, I remember in sports, uh, especially in basketball, for instance, when you're playing defense, one of the things they teach you is to spread your feet apart, squat down a little bit, and use your hips and your, and your, your thighs and so forth. That's the strength <coughs> of you. And you stand so when the defensive player or the offensive player comes, you're not easily moved. And when the rebound goes, you can, you're, you're in a position to uh, block out the other person and go get the. Re- if that's, that's the loin. That's the strong part of us. Now, why true? Why begin with the loins and then why begin with true? Well, I think because if we don't have our loins girded about, our, our, our strength, our foundation girded about with strength, with truth, then we'll be girded about with untruth or falsehood, and that won't stand. It will crumble, and it will fall. But if you're girded about with truth, my friends, you'll be able to stand on the truth of God Almighty. Now, I think a companion text to this, and this is one that we'll probably spend most of our time on, it's found in Proverbs, uh, 23rd chapter of Proverbs, in the uh, 23rd verse of that chapter, just one verse, it says, 23 and 23 of Proverbs, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. I think wisdom is knowing how to apply truth. I think that's what wisdom is. But we're told two things. Buy it and don't sell it. Buy it and don't sell it. Now before we would want to buy it, we need to see the value that there is in truth. What value do you think there is in truth? Proverbs again will help us in this. I believe in the third chapter of Proverbs, there's quite a bit. We'll read uh, some of it. In the third chapter of Proverbs 3 and 1, it says a father, Solomon here, uh, telling his son, and I think it's all right for us to consider as our heavenly father telling us as his children, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Look what it provides you, for length of days and long life and peace. I wouldn't care much about length of days and long life if there wasn't peace. (laughs) But length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the in- and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain of it thereof than fine gold. Starts referring to wisdom in the female gender. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou cast desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life, To them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. I know I've read quite a bit, but that should start building up in your mind the value, my friends, of truth. Who would want to reject it? Who would not want to have truth uh, be surrounded with it? Not just a dab here and there, but to be immersed, as it were, in truth. No wonder Solomon would say in the fourth chapter, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So now seeing the value, it should spark our interest. It should be enough for the Lord, for Paul to say, uh, girt thy loins with truth. But now that we get a glimpse of the value of it, my friends, we should desire to buy the truth. We should desire to get that truth. Well, how are we going to get it? How is it that this process works? I love a parable. Think of it oftentimes. A parable found for us in the 13th chapter of Matthew. And hear what it says. It's just one verse of scripture. 13 and 44. 13 and 44. Listen to it. Beautiful words. Beautiful wisdom. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in In a field. I think of that kingdom of heaven. That is that way my friends. As we hope to get to truth. Is right there with it. The kingdom of heaven my friends. Is like unto treasure hid in the field. The which when a man hath found. He hideth. And for joy thereof. Goeth and selleth all that he hath. And buyeth that field. You see my friends. In this sense. And even when it says buy the truth. In this sense. The truth is not for sale just out here in the open, my friends. The truth belongs somewhere. It's hid somewhere. And where it's hid is in the field. You can't buy the the truth, but you can buy the field where the truth is hid. And dig out for yourselves nuggets of truth for the rest of your life that you might feed upon it and, and learn from it. All when we began... To think about this, uh, where, where, where wh- what, what? Th- this is a spiritual thing. Let, let's go and see uh, what we're talking about from a spiritual. Th- we need to understand the difference between spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding, and natural wisdom and natural understanding. Now, there's nothing wrong with natural understanding in and of itself, my friends. But I'll tell you, the spirit that moves with natural understanding is usually not a good thing. Listen to what uh, we have. And again, I'm going to read a little bit, but I, I, I don't want to leave any of it out, so I apologize. I remember what Elder David Montgomery uh, said one time. He says, if you can't trust me any other time, you can trust me that when I'm reading the Bible, I'm speaking the truth. <laughs> you can trust that. So uh, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Now, Paul's talking here, and I tell you, my friend, the Apostle Paul was unique in his apostleship. He was the only apostle to the Gentiles. He was the only apostle that was raised a Pharisee. Not only was he a Pharisee, his father was a Pharisee. Not only that, he was raised at the feet of Gamal. I tell you, my friends, Paul was a very intelligent person. I had the best education you could have in the day, my friend. But listen to what he says, and look where he puts his understanding. Now, I don't want uh, it to be uh, misunderstood among us, my friends. We try when we try to uh, talk before God's people. We try to apply what little bit of understanding we have. Uh, we don't want to say ain't and can't and all that. We want to try to talk in a way uh, that would be agreeable to you. We want to try to put our, our, our best foot forward, if I could say it uh, that way. But I'll tell you, my friends, it's not an IQ. You don't get the truth, my friends, uh, by being smart. You don't get the truth by being known uh, 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 with education uh, from the world. That's good, and I encourage all uh, to uh, get the best education you can. But when it comes to God's house, my friends, uh, the education is not a natural education. It's a spiritual education, and we can't do that in and of ourselves. We have to have the Lord's help if we're going to grow in truth. Now listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians second chapter, Verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom. Do you think he could have? Absolutely he could have. He said, I didn't do that. Brethren, when I came unto you, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I tell you, my friends, it's hard for me to hear somebody when they get up, and you can tell they're just filled with themselves. <laughs> it's hard for me to listen to that. Uh, I, 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 it's hard for me to stay tuned uh, when I, uh, you hear about me and I and so forth. No, I, I want to hear about the Lord, don't you? Uh, there's better things to talk to you about than about just me. Now, we might try to draw out experiences as example and so forth. I can't talk about your experiences. If I talk about them, you either I have to talk about the ones in the Scripture, we're always better, or talk about mine. I do that in hopes that it would better uh, illustrate something and that you would think of your own experiences in life when we did that. Here's how Paul said it. Oh, the great apostle Paul, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. That's hard to understand. That's hard for the world to understand. Uh, He he raised a Pharisee. He, He considered himself one time perfect in the things concerning the law. And he countered those things but dung that he might win Christ. They had no place, my friends, in his ministry. And he did not use them. He could have, but he saw the fallacy of doing that. And my speech, and I want to come back to this, so please remember this. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. Now, it qualifies that. If I I have the ability to preach I want it to be with enticing words. I don't want it to be with something that rebels you or, or, or repels you. I want it to be something enticing. The prophet says to sought out acceptable words. I, I want to, I, we, we want to try to present the very best that we know how and want to entice you, but not your natural senses. Want to entice if God blesses us in your spiritual senses, don't you see? So listen, let's read the rest of it. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. There's the key. Not of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. My friends, that's so much better than the wisdom of man. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of of God. How be we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, complete, whole, mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it. They would, have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God desires us to know these things, but the only way we're going to know them is through the Spirit of God working in us, my friends. Not with natural understanding, but with the Spirit of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See how important it is, my friends? We cannot attain unto the truth of God without the Spirit. Being with us. And we have no uh, magic. Uh, uh, flip. That we can just switch on and switch off. Uh, uh, that the spirit of God be with us. It's of the own spirit's will. Whether he will be with us or not. And My friends. If the spirit's not with us. We don't have worship. Only through the spirit. Yes. We need to understand the difference. Between. Not only what. The spiritual wisdom and understanding is, uh, versus the earthly, but also the value of one versus the other. Listen how James describes it this way. But the wisdom, well, first of all, the, uh, I'm sorry, 14th, uh, three and 14 of James, he says, but if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above but is earthly, sensual, devilish. It's pretty clear what it is, isn't it? For where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. But wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good work without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Oh, my friends, Lord, give us of this. Lord, give us of the spiritual wisdom to have spiritual truth that we might gird about our loins. Well, now, where are we going to find this? Where are we going to find the field? Talks about a field. Where is it? Where is it? With the Sims family, I tried, I tried pretty hard, you know, my awkward way of giving directions. And I tried really hard to put them down. And then I used an address that I got. You know, there, we do have an address, a regular address. We don't, we don't ever get mail at it, but we have an address. I never used the address. I sent it to her and, and, and gave her the direction. And then I began to worry about it. I'm borrowing trouble. Began to worry about it. Oh, finally, I, fi, fi, I heard back from her, and she gave me good news, my friend. She said she got here without any trouble. Well, that's one. <laughs> she got here without any trouble. Well, how are we to find the field? I would imagine the field on the, on the natural level, there's no appeal to it. It won't have some gold or, or, or some, a beautiful steeple of some kind or, or, or usually not even a flag, over, certainly not a flag of the church. Who's heard of such a thing? You know what the banner over us supposed to be is love. Well, how do you draw that and put it up above us? How do we find the field? It's important that we find it, my friends. Uh, I won't chase that, but it's important that we find it. So how do we? Well, I'm thankful, so thankful that Scripture gives us the answer to these questions. First Timothy, third chapter. Listen to what it says in the 15th verse. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know it, how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. Listen to what it is. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. That's the field, my friends. Is the church of the living God, how do you find that? <laughs> how do you find it? I remember there at Old Union one time, where we used to be in Arkansas. There was a sister that joined the church, and she was in her seventies when she joined. She met some people of our membership, started attending, hadn't attended that long, maybe three or four months, and ended up joining. And here's what she told the church. She says, "I've been looking for this place." All my life. How thankful that we ought to be that when we got to lo- start looking for the field to discover, Brother Philip, that we were raised in the field. <laughs> oh, what a blessing. Oh, what a It doesn't guarantee anything, you understand. But, oh, when you got li- get ready to try to look for the field and to find out, Well, it's in the field that I've been taken to when I was a baby, when I was a child. My ancestry or your ancestor, that doesn't mean anything except the blessing of God that when we begin to look, it's right there. What does it take for the church to be the church? Well, it takes much more than just the name being over the door. It does. She's identified my friends by what she believes And how she acts. Do you know a Bible term for that? Is faith and order. Faith, what you believe, order. How you put that belief in action. She's defined by what she does. Not what is on the outside. It's not on any boisterous activity. It's not on any animated activities. It's certainly not something that's choreographed. My friends, it's spiritual it's spiritual. When we come into the church, my, where, where's the church? Where was the church at uh, eight thirty this morning? It wasn't assembled. It wasn't here. The building was here, but the church wasn't here. It wasn't assembled. You know, for the church to be the church, it has to assemble itself. In fact, that's what church means—the assembly. That's why it's good to be on time when we assemble, as you are. And I I commend you on that. And then we begin, after some time in the lunchroom, we begin and we start singing songs. And maybe a particular verse of a song, maybe the whole song, makes you think of another song, and then that song, and so forth. And you start feeling something within you. We hope to get to that. What is that? Start feeling a stirring within you. And then in the prayer that we heard, and then in the preaching, if the Lord blesses it, it ought to stir something within. That's the spirit moving, my friends. And you can't fake it. it is either, it's binary. It's either there or it's not there. And sometimes when I'm here, it's not there. I try, and I, it's my fault, but it's not there. And I think that sometimes it is. And the Lord blesses us in his service. So, if it's it's spiritual, then then how are we to identify it? If it's not something that's that's natural, it's not something that's visible, then, then what is it? Let's go back to the Old Testament. Go back all the way back to 1 Kings. It's in the 18th, 19th chapter. In the 18th chapter, Elijah has just wrought a great victory over the prophets of Baal. The Lord showed that he was the true prophet, that Elijah was, and Baal wasn't, and took the, uh, the sacrifice by the fire that came down and up the sacrifice and the water and the trenches and so forth. News got back to Jezebel. What what happened uh, with Elijah is they killed all of the prophets of Baal. You can go earlier in the in the in the 18th chapter. That's 450 of them. <laughs> well, those were Jezebel's prophets. Jezebel, wicked wicked queen. She found out about that and she says, "You go tell Elijah." That if it's not the same with you as you've done to my prophets, it will be that way before sundown. And Jezebel uh, and, and Elijah believed her and to be and fled. So let's look to where he had fled to. Skipping over a lot of it, but you can go read it. 18th and 19th chapters of 1 Kings. 19 and 9. It says about Elijah, he came thither into a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? I say that's a good question. I say that question needs to be asked and has been asked in our lives at several times. May it always be the answer that we're in thy kingdom, Lord. Elijah couldn't say that. He was in a cave hiding from this wicked witch. Witch, it was a queen. What doest thou here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you were so alone? I have. Have you ever felt like you were just, just alone? As the old song says, no one knows the trouble I've seen. Just see, like you're, you're just, you know, that's just Satan working on you. That's all that is. Just, just feel totally, you know, a good thing to do when you feel that way, run to the church of God, my friends. <laughs> run to it. Feel the refuge that's there. Be encircled with the love and fellowship of the church. What doest thou here, Elijah. The Lord answered him and said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in a fire. And after the fire, a still, small void. That's the Lord. He doesn't have to thunder, my friends, to get your attention. He doesn't have to have some uh, horrible calamity befall you. In order to get your attention. We need to listen my friends. Even in worship service. We need to listen. For that still. Small. Boy. The reality is as he tells them here. I have 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to the image of Baal. You're not alone. You just think you're alone. I tell you. When I see a religion that's all about noise, that's all about making a scene, that's all about just natural things. Uh, doesn't deserve for me to go any further than that. It causes me to back off. Listen to what the 32nd chapter of Isaiah has to say about this. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in a quiet resting place. That's the church. That's where the Spirit of the Lord is, in a quiet place, as it were. You see, when we have been born of the Spirit, when the new birth has taken place, when regeneration has happened, we are now in possession of the Holy Ghost within us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been partakers of the divine nature of God, and it dwells within us. And when there's a spiritual worship service going on, it responds to it. Listen how Romans, Paul says in Romans, 16th verse, 8 and 16. This is talking about the spirit of adoption, but it applies here in truth or in worship service. For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's a joint bearing witness. There's a joining up, so to speak, of the Spirit of God with the Spirit of God that dwells in us. Because they are alike. They are the same. That spirit within you, my friends, is pure and holy and undefiled. It's ready for heaven. It's already prepared. It's just howled in this temple of clay. And the body continues to sin. And it mourns the spirit. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? It's because the spirit has... I, I think at times the spirit just longs to be released... From this body of clay. It will be one sweet day. But my friends until then. We carry it with us. And we carry it right into whatever our body goes into. Whether it's into a service like this. Whether it's into the honky tonks. Or whatever other things. That you can get and I can get involved with. It goes right in there. And it mourns when it's in that place. I asked you to remember. A scripture. A scripture out of Corinthians that we read to you. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You see, Romans 10 and 10 tells us, with the heart man believeth unto salvation. Not with the mind, not with the mind, not not with the brain, with the heart. Now does that mean this thing beating in my foot? No. No. That that means you're inward man. That's where belief is. Is inwardly. Inside. How do we find the church? It needs to be following the apostolic pattern laid down in Scripture. The only thing authorized in public worship, my friends, in Scripture is singing, preaching, and praying. You add anything to that, it's not in the Scripture. We as primitive Baptists, we have laid out the basic tenets of our belief. In fact, they're hung right out there in the vestibule as you come in. And they call them articles of faith. Again, I, I think there's three things, that are, and i probably more than three, but three things to look for in identifying if, where the church is. First of all, truth needs to abide there. Second of all, the spirit needs to abide there. And third of all, it needs to give all glory unto God and take none of the glory unto itself. Well, Look at those articles of faith, and you'll see that. It says we believe in God. The Trinity, the three-in-one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And it says that man is fallen by nature and we're totally depraved and unable to recover ourselves from that fallen state in which we're in. The only way to get out of that, my friends, is for God to bring you out of that. All glory, all power unto him. It also says that we believe the Old and the New Testament are the inspired word of God and our only rule for faith and practice. My friends, if you can find something that gives more glory to God than the truth, I don't think you will. The truth of God ascribes all glory unto God. Let me put forth a couple of examples. We've used these before. If I could think of better ones, I would use them. (laughs) Right now, right now, this building, inside this building, is being bombarded with radio waves. I don't hear them, but they're here. They're coming through. They're they're inside this building. And to prove that, don't ask that you do it. (laughs) To prove that, all you would have to do is take something like a radio that would have a receiver inside that radio, and you turn it on, and it will receive those radio waves and start to broadcast, and you can hear it. You have a receiver in you, my friends. It's called the Spirit of God, and it's in you, and it receives things of the Spirit like the preaching of the gospel. And you hear it, and it responds. The other analogy that I love, and I'm one of these days I'm going to try to find this, and I, I know it's true, but I want to show it's true. I won't use it up here, but I just want to show it's true to myself. You can take a tuning fork, say, to the key of C, and you can take two of them. And you can hit one, say with a rubber mallet or something, hit one, just one of them, and it'll start vibrating, and that other one cannot help but starting to vibrate just as well. Don't ever touch it. Just hit this one. And the next one, it picks up that same vibration, and it begins to answer it. Let me show you what I mean by a story that means a lot to me. I was probably 11, 12, something like that when I heard this story. Elder Lair Webb's great-grandfather, Elder Albert Webb, he lived to where he was over 100 and preached up until he was 100, 101, and so forth. Brother Albert was in his late 90s, and I heard him preach this. I was in the congregation where he preached this. I heard it then, and I can hear it now. He raised corn out on his place, and every year he got excited when it started to get corn season, and he'd start preparing his land ahead of time, get everything turned over and let it set, started cultivating it, getting it ready for the seed. Finally, it's time to go plant the seed. He'd take the corn out, and he'd plant the seed. And he had to walk a little ways from where he kept everything to where the field was. By and by, he'd go out there and check. He'd look. Finally, he started seeing, sure enough, little stalks of corn, little little blades, all in a row. Started appearing. All right. I got a good stand of corn this year. And as he was walk- walking back, he looked, and right where he was getting ready to step, he looked, and there was another little stalk of corn. Coming up there. Evidently it had fallen out of the sack that he had gone back and forth. We call those volunteers. It just kind of you know, it didn't mean to be sold, but it was, and there it was. He looked at that and he said, I'm gonna take care of that little stalk of corn, just like I do that field, and he did. Whatever he did to the field, he did for it. even watering it, he did that too kept the cultivator, kept the, the weeds away from it and so forth. Laid it by, put fertilizer on it, and draw the dirt to it. Sure enough it grew. Just like I mean you could tell it was the same. It it just looked just parallel. It looked just like. Even had stalks of corn on it. Ears of corn on it. Finally he got ready and he harvested the corn from the field. And he says, I'm finally gonna harvest me some corn from that little stalk and he took it off and he got the, and he shuck it open and guess what? No corn. Why? Because it wasn't pollinated by the field. You get the point? We need to bear fruit. In order to bear fruit, you need to be in the field where the pollination takes place where the corn is grown where it flows from breast to breast where you feel things that you can't explain I'll close with this verse in 51st Psalms Sixth verse of 51st Psalms. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Where that heart that believeth unto God. In that inner man where the spirit abides. That's where truth abides, my friends. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. It's a beautiful thing the Lord has given us. We rush to the house of worship. And we engage gladly in the worship of our Lord. There's more to this that I hope to cover. The Lord bless us next time on how you actually buy it. Now, there's another part that we haven't addressed yet, which we'll try to do then, too. Don't sell it. Let it, as the song says, truth like a girdle, let us wear and so forth and so on. Never let it be told that truth was ever sold by us. Keep it clean. May God bless you is our prayer. So we stand and sing a song some.